Hello there, and welcome to our Sardis Fellowship Sermon Podcast. My name is Richard Frankowitz, and I'm the Youth Director here at SFBC. This week, we hear a message from Pastor Rod Happel on belonging, to know and be known, to set us up for engaging in our spiritual walk this fall. Enjoy! Well, thank you to our worship team for leading us today. I'm always grateful for those who get up early on a Sunday morning and come in here for an 8.30 worship practice, and that just takes a little extra commitment. Also grateful for those in our sound booth back there. We have people on a schedule who do the sound, we have people who do the PowerPoint, and we also have people who do the video work. And uh, Nick is back there behind the video camera today. Yeah, thanks, Nick. And Nick is behind the PowerPoint. And Richard's behind the sound. So it's always great when people find their way to be involved in the life of a church. If you have gifting in those areas, speak to us um, because we're building a team for the videography. It'll be recorded each Sunday and then released uh, next week online. And so those people who are online, uh, next Sunday we'll watch this Sunday service. And we just feel that that allows us to not have to pre-record everything like we've been doing. It's been a lot of scheduling issues and extra hours and resources that go into that. So that was part of it. Plus, we think that if you're watching online, it's kind of neat to be able to see exactly what's been going on on a Sunday morning here. And so for those who will be watching this, um, we trust that you know, worshiping with us online is still something that you value. And we're trying to do our best to bring you a quality service. Uh, I also want to thank those who um, made the bagels and prepared the bagels and made the coffee and put it out. So Jenny and Joanne, uh, Jenny Sawaski, Joanne Booster, and then also Kevin Fraser for setting up all those tables and all the cords and cables and whatnot. So let's give a round of applause to them for doing that for us. We're very grateful. Today's message is not complicated to understand. Uh, It's not rocket science, as they say. But it is relational science because it's about how we grow and mature in Christ together. And so it's about relationship. Now, when we're talking about belonging, we're talking about two directions. One, we belong to God, first and foremost. And secondly, we belong to each other. And obviously, we belong to each other because we belong to God. So when we're talking about belonging to God, it's about the idea, the fact that we are all by faith in Jesus Christ. We belong to God. Uh, you probably, if you've read through the New Testament, you're familiar with language that talks about um, Jesus saying, no one can snatch them out of my hand, right? You're gods. We've been singing about that. Um, when you receive Christ, you are called children of God. You're placed into his family and you're his. And Paul says in Ephesians that by the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit both seals you And is the one with whom you are sealed, it says, until the day of redemption when this inheritance, the Holy Spirit, will be uh, produced so that you have what? Your eternal life with God. So in the first understanding of belonging, we belong to God. We are sealed with the Holy Spirit. We are His. And one day when we go from here to there, Christ returns, we go to be with Christ forever, to live with God as Revelation talks about. So that's the first understanding I want you to have. And then the second one uh, is once we have a right understanding of a relationship to God, that helps us understand rightly our relationship to each other. That actually, we belong to each other. Have you ever thought of it quite like that? That by nature of our mutual faith in Jesus Christ as our Savior and Lord, like when you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you now are placed into the body of Christ. So that because Jesus is your brother, so to speak, We are brothers and sisters in Christ because of our relationship to him. We are fellow believers. Now, 
there is something called the body of Christ which goes beyond one church, right? This is a local gathering of believers of Christ, but there's lots of local gatherings. We're talking about being placed into the family of God which is universal or Catholic. You've probably heard of the Catholic church. The word means universal, the universal church of God. Any person who is a believer in Jesus Christ and has come to faith in him is part of the universal church of God. However, we gather in smaller groups to worship and to be in fellowship with each other. And so what I'm trying to get at here is that we belong to each other when we gather in these kinds of settings where we have an obligation to encourage one another in our faith. One of Paul's favorite analogies that he liked to use in the New Testament was this idea of the human body to try to understand the spiritual body. Because if you can understand that the human body has a head and then it has hands and feet and everything in between, feets, right? That's what you call them. Uh, foots, footsies. Um, we're all parts of the body, he says. And then if you look at the spiritual body of Christ, you realize that God hasn't made us all the same. We have different roles to play. And so Paul got a lot of mileage out of the body analogy. If you go through the New Testament, you'll see it coming up all over the place. But in 1 Corinthians 12 would probably be his flagship passage on teaching on this. And the only thing I'm going to say about this passage is this one line I'm about to give you. Because Paul is driving home an emphasis, and this is what I want you to catch here too. He says, now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. Each one of you is a part of it. And the question I'm kind of wondering is, do we really get that? Do we really understand that, oh, I am part of the body of Christ? Because I think often what we tend to do when we think about the church is we think of it as something other than me. But the church is the people of God. The church is the body of Christ. The church are people who have come to faith in Christ and we are put together. That's the church, right? I know we often refer to the building, but this is just the house that the people of God meet in. The church is the people. And when we understand this, we stop talking as if the church was something other than as if it's a separate entity from me. No, 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 I am the church. <laughs> we are the church. And often what happens is we kind of like, well, the church this and the church that, and it's like, okay, but don't forget, you too are a part of the church. And so if there's a problem within the church, within the body of Christ, you're a part of that too, but you're also part of the solution to that. Whatever the concern might be that you have as you reflect and think about us, the church, you are also part of both the problem and the solution. And so I'm trying to help us understand that we have a oneness about us. Do we really get the fact that I am part of the church? Belonging. Now, I've been around for a long time in church ministry. I actually started 30 years ago uh, this last week. My first kickoff Sunday was back in September of 1992, and I was a youth director in my home church in Cloverdale at a Baptist church, a sister church to this one. And uh, I was a youth director, I remember our very first kickoff event, it was a Friday night, and it was going to be a hayride night on our home farm in Cloverdale, where I grew up, and so we had the hay wagons, and we had a lot of fun, and then we had a bonfire. I mean, this bonfire was so massive, like if it was done today, for sure, people would be calling 911, and I'm sure fire trucks would have been on the scene, which only would have made for a better youth event, right? No, Richard, don't do that, please. But I remember that. I remember graduating from Briarcrest Bible College with a four-year biblical studies degree, and I said to the church, hey, how can I help? And they offered to pay me to do what I would have done for free. Suckers. <laughs> I would have volunteered as the youth director, but no, they said, we want you to be our full-time person, and they paid me, and that was awesome. So I did that for four years, and then 
uh, met Anne in there, got married, and in 1996, we finished our youth ministry part, and we joined a mission called Gospel Missionary Union, which present day is called Avant Ministries, and we were with Avant for almost an eight-year period of our lives, and my wife and I and our family served in Bolivia, again with kind of a youth, youth focus. You end up doing everything, but that was kind of our focus was youth ministry. So after those eight years, then in 2004, I took a role here at Sardis Fellowship. We moved back to Canada, not to Cloverdale, but to Chilliwack. And I started in a role as an associate pastor of community life, the very hat that Tim now wears, okay? That was my hat. And uh, it's a really big umbrella. You know, what doesn't fit under community life? It's kind of like everyone throws everything at you when you have the community life title. Tim, heads up, just duly warned. Um, I did that for almost... um, 15 years, 14 and a half years. And then David Lee, our uh, previous lead pastor, was retiring, and this church voted me in as the next lead pastor three and a half years ago. Now, the reason why I tell you my history is because I've had 30 years of being able to watch body life, like church life and patterns. I've seen certain patterns that concern me, and they, they go along this line. They go along the line of patterns of people who don't get into a deeper level of community, often will drift. And when I mean drift, it means two things. One, I think typically they drift from just attending. I don't don't feel like I belong here. But more seriously, a lot of people drift spiritually too. That along with the drifting from attendance is a drifting from anything. Uh, Maybe they go to another church, but maybe not. And so there's this drifting. It's like a log. We've talked about this illustration before. You kick a log out of the fire, right? And while it's in the fire, it's burning bright, and the log is contributing, and it's got a big flame, right? You kick it out, and it's just a matter of time before the flame turns into a flicker, and then it's just embers, and then it goes out. And so that's kind of the idea that we have here, that um, if you're not connected into the body of Christ at a deeper level, the flame tends to go out. Now, prior to COVID, I was concerned about this in the life of our church, but since COVID, it has only become more evident that we need a deeper sense of connectedness and community. Um, If I could just be really honest for the next couple of moments here, Christians who don't get into deeper community other than a Sunday morning attendance usually don't stay in that church long term. Usually because of that sense of, well, I don't feel like I know anyone, so I don't feel like I belong. And I think that's understandable, right? Uh, This, on a Sunday morning, is a gathering collectively of believers to worship Jesus Christ. It has a certain level of connection. It has a certain level of sense of belonging. But we, within ourselves, by nature of being human, have a deeper need. I have a need to be known. And others have a need to be known. And maybe it happens at a more of an acquaintance and super official level on a Sunday morning. I got to be careful with the word superficial because it's meaningful. It's just there's more, right? There's more. And, and so one thing that happens is people after time, if they don't get into something that's deeper, feel like they don't belong. And secondly, as I was making the point earlier about the log, they miss the opportunity to grow more deeply in their faith. That I believe that it's in community that we actually have to grapple with our faith. Faith, if it's just me and Jesus... I can have my own version of what I think it means to be a faithful follower of Christ, but boy, I get into a group and all of a sudden someone else is sharing something with me that's not exactly my experience. And I'm either widening my understanding or I'm gaining a better or clearer insight into my own faith. And I want to be really careful here because only God knows the hearts of every follower. Only God can judge our true spirituality, whatever that means. But what I'm saying is we miss the opportunity 
to be in fellowship together at a deeper level where iron sharpens iron. You maybe have heard that. If you ever had a knife that you try to sharpen, you strike it against something else that's steel. You strike steel against steel to sharpen steel. Doesn't make sense, right? On the one hand. But it's the idea that you're in a place where you're known and other people are known. And together, if you know them and they know you, you're like two steel blades coming together and you sharpen each other. You go deeper. Your faith becomes stronger. We mature in Christ. If it was hard before COVID to get into deeper relationships, the disconnection of COVID is only showing how hard it is now. Many relationships within families, friendships, work, school, wherever we go, there's been dissension and tensions and divisions. I'm focusing today on us as a congregation. I've had time to listen to people's stories and I realize that not everyone's experience with COVID is the same, of course. Some had no family at home when there were lockdowns. Others had big family when they were home. Well, that's a very different experience for people who have that. But everyone has a context, and everyone to some degree has experienced a level of disconnectedness. And what I'm saying is that we need to reconnect. We need to reconnect not just in larger group things like we have done. We had the barbecue for Rob and Diana when they were heading off to Saskatchewan. We had a wrap-up barbecue for our VBS soccer camp. Those are great. It's great that we've got another barbecue coming up. It must be barbecue. I don't know. Uh, in, in September here, the men's ministry putting on a barbecue on September 24th for everyone. Come on out. But it's going deeper. It's about consistently being in a place where others know me and I know them and we're able to actually take down the mask and be in, begin to get more real and honest with each other. That's what we need if we're going to be healthy in our walk with the Lord. It is a deeper level of connection that I'm talking about. Back in the early spring, I was pondering this question. What's our greatest need as a church family coming out of COVID? Coming out of COVID. And I landed with this, I, I thought our, we have a need to belong and to have this idea of being known, to know and be known. Because I'm afraid that if we don't, then if we don't feel like we belong, if we don't know and know others, then there is the danger of drifting. And not just from attendance, but spiritually as well. We belong to God first and foremost, but we belong to each other. And I guess my question to you is how, is, how are you contributing to helping others? Which has a reciprocal nature because then it will help you. Where do you find your place of belonging? Because I know it's not the same for everyone. Everyone has different situations and circumstances. I'm going to share one with you. Um, probably about 17 years ago now, I first met Bill Boosterd. And uh, Bill's in our leadership team. I was dropping off my son at Boys Brigade out in Greendale. Uh, Bill lived in Greendale at that time. I still live in Greendale. We were dropping off our boys at the MB Church for this program, and all of a sudden I hear my name. Hello, Rod Heppel, or hello, Pastor Rod, I think it was. And I kind of look around, and I see this guy, but I don't recognize him. And out of fairness, this was a Tuesday, he said, uh, well, let me introduce myself. I'm Bill Booster, and I came to church on Sunday, so I got to see you up front, <laughs> but I hadn't met him yet. That was the beginning of our relationship. Uh, that soon turned into a number of coffees together, which soon turned into, hey, would you like to be a part of our launch team for Alpha, which we got Alpha started in our church. And then it turned into a group of men out of that Alpha um, ministry uh, meeting each week. 
We would meet on Wednesday mornings from 6 to 7 a.m. with a devotional. Someone would bring a thought. It would be a a sharing time and a prayer time. It would be like an accountability group trying to, how are we doing life? How how are we doing as husbands and fathers and that sort of a thing as followers of Christ? And uh, one of the wives of the men in the group named it Men and Muffins every Wednesday morning. Men and Muffins. It's very masculine. Thank you. That was the starting point of our relationship. But it grew into something greater. And you know, after six years of meeting every Wednesday morning, then we had another six years of meeting once a month. I could say this, I know Bill Boosterd, and Bill Boosterd knows me. And I could say that for other people in this congregation too that I've come to know over 18 years. But what I've just described for you is just simply one way in which deeper connection happens in the life of a, of a church family. But it doesn't happen that way for everyone. So you have to look at your own situation. I know that there's a variety of different uh, situations. You might be a person who has scheduled work and you get 12-hour shifts and, you know, I can't make every Tuesday night. I'm only there half the time or once a month and that kind of a thing. I get it that some of you have little kids and it's harder to get out. I'm super grateful for um, Jeremy Van Warden and Pastor Tim's group that they have going with younger age kids. They figure out a system of how to do it to make it work for families with younger age kids. You might be a, a single person and wondering, well, where? Which group should I go to? You know, I'm a little bit older than young adults and I'm trying to find a place where I fit. It's going to look different for everyone. But I'm putting the ball in your court. We have an ideal that we're aiming for whereby you would be in some kind of connection with the same group of people on somewhat of a regular basis. But you have to figure out what's going to work for me. There's some work on your part if this is actually going to make a difference. Now, I want to read from Ephesians here where it talks a little bit about the spirit of how this happens one to another. It says, instead, speaking the truth in love. If we're not in a place where others are speaking into our lives, we've got a problem. Notice it says, in love. We will grow to become, in every respect, the mature body of Christ. We're aiming at something. Maturity, Christ-likeness. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, again, the body language, grows and builds itself up in love, as each part does its work. So we are all tasked with being a part of the body of Christ and finding our place whereby we are contributing to helping the body be strong and to grow and mature in Christ. That's the goal. We want to look like Jesus, more like Jesus, less like me. You often hear people say, be the true you. (laughs) I stop and go, I don't know you want the true me. You want the true Rod Heppel that is submitted to Jesus Christ. Yes, that's a much better version than the true me. And that's what we're aiming at here. As brothers and sisters in Christ, we submit ourselves to his lordship. Our friends in Christ help us as they speak his truth in love into our lives so that that's the version that we want to see, the true you. This maturing process happens in the body of Christ. Now, you are the body of Christ, Paul says. We are are the body of Christ. And each one of us is a part of it. Like I said, this is not rocket science, but it is relational. And sometimes, just as hard as rocket science can be to understand, relational science can be to live out. It's not easy. While we might get it right here in this room, oh yeah, I can see how that works. We just know in reality, it takes effort. It doesn't happen for everyone easily. And Some people are highly social and want to meet every night of the week and other people don't want to see it until next Christmas and that's just the way that we're wired, right? But what is it that you have to evaluate in your life if you're going to grow more deeply in your walk with Christ and be mature in Christ? 
I want to share a second passage with you. I could share many passages from Scripture, but I'll just share this one. It was back when I was on my sabbatical in 2018, and the leadership team had asked me to consider being the next lead pastor at Sardis Fellowship, that I felt God gave me this verse in 1 Peter 4, 8, to be a verse that kind of guides me as a leader, guides me as someone who's trying to shepherd a flock. It says, above all, love each other deeply, because love covers a multitude of sins. And, you know, I've tried to model that. I have failed at times. Some of you know that failing. Some of you I've asked to forgive me for my failings. That is a statement I believe in. That is a statement I've committed my life to, to loving the body of Christ deeply. But I will also say it's a standard. It's a standard that I feel we measure ourselves against. And when we have failed, we ask for forgiveness and we continue to love each other deeply. Love covers over a multitude of sins. Mine and yours. Love allows us to do that. So I want to look at this passage that uh, that verse is found in. It starts with verse 7. Peter's writing to a church that is being persecuted and scattered. Uh, some of them can meet in smaller groups. Others are being placed in different parts of the, the known world at that time. He says, The end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. Above all, love each other deeply, because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. I'll just pause there. There's four things that Peter is emphasizing here, but before I get to them, I know I have to say something about verse 7. Because we read that and we go, well, did Peter think that it was as near as what he thought it was? Like, is he mistaken here? Because it's been 2,000 years and that doesn't feel maybe like as near as what he might have had in mind. A couple of thoughts here. Uh, First of all, is that in Jewish prophecy, whenever they would make a prediction, it had an understanding that it has begun. And so what Peter really has in mind is the understanding that in God's overall plan of redemption, of human history, Jesus, the Son of God, come into the world, go to the cross, die for our sins, rise to life again, has now ushered in a new era, a new stage in God's plan of redemption. It's going to be the return of Christ and the judgment of God and everything is wrapped up and we're in eternity. That's kind of generally speaking what he has in mind. So what he's saying is we are now into this new era. And while we think about nearness, uh, Peter was the one who said with God, a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years is like a day. So there's only been a couple days that have gone by uh, for God if you follow that logic. Peter has in mind the fact that because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, something new has begun, and therefore we are moving closer to the end. We are in the last days, Peter would say. We are in the last days. We are still in the last days. From the cross until the return of Christ, we are in the last days. Where are we in there? I'm not sure. Some of you know more than me because you often tell me how close we are. But let me just say, we're in there somewhere. So don't get distracted with that because I want to take us to the next four points. All right, can we leave that one there? Is that enough for now? Because I know some of you like prophecy. Come on, let's talk about it. Okay, he's going to come back, okay? Just be ready. And that's what Peter's going to say. He's going to say, he's near. Therefore, live like this. And he would say it to us today just the same way. It's near. Therefore, this is what I want you to pay attention to. Number one, be alert so you can pray. Number two, Love each other deeply. Number three, offer hospitality without grumbling. Number four, serve one another with the gifts that God has given you. That is what we're called to be. That is what we're called to do and how we are to live out our faith with each other. So let's look at this just a little more in depth. Pray. Be mentally and spiritually alert. 
clear-minded and self-controlled so that you can pray. So pray for each other. You know, prayer is such a vital part of the life of a church family. Um, Happens in different ways. We've dedicated or put aside the first Monday of every month to be uh, a day of prayer and fasting in the life of our church. You can choose to fast or not, but we invite you to pray. We usually have a theme to try to direct your thoughts around a theme. That's one level. Our staff meets every Wednesday morning. People turn in prayer requests. They go on our website. They hit prayer requests. They submit a prayer request. That's one way. Um, Often people just phone in or talk to us, and, and we pray for this congregation every Wednesday morning from 9 till 10. And then we have prayer teams. And the way that works is that people have, again, signed up on our website to receive emails. And people who um, are giving a prayer request, they know at what level it's going to go to. They know if it just goes to the staff. They know if it goes out to the prayer teams. They know if their name would ever be publicly mentioned from here in a prayer that they've given permission for it first. But we have praying teams of people. But the area that I want to actually focus on is that if you are in a Bible study group, a life group, a coffee group, or some kind of mentoring group, or a men's group, or a women's group, or a seniors group, some kind of group, you already know that when you're in that group, people start to get to know each other. When they start to get to know each other, they start to become more comfortable because they trust you to be able to share what's going on in their lives. It gets to a deeper level. And when you're sharing about what's going on in your life, the natural thing that comes next is, let's pray about that. So in our group that we're a part of, my wife and I, when Eric Mueller got diagnosed with brain cancer, we prayed. We prayed for him and Anita because they're our friends, because we've been doing life together, because we know them and our hearts engaged with them. No one had to say, hey, put that on your prayer list. When we're engaged as the body of Christ and community, when we know that we have a group of people where I'm known and I know them, then prayer is just a natural outworking of caring for one another. Love each other deeply is the second point. Love each other deeply. Well, why did he say deeply? (laughs) I think he said deeply because he knew that unless you're intentional about this, you might not. You might not. There's stresses. In this particular case, there was persecution. We've gone through stressful situations with COVID. It's easy to annoy one another. And I think what Peter has in mind here is you have to get past the annoyance of whatever you think it is that annoys you about the other person. Forgive them. Love them deeply. And I think he says it because he knows that it's not going to happen unless they're intentional about it. And if we do, love covers over a multitude of sins. Scott McKnight wrote this in his commentary, the community that loves one another is able to forgive one another when issues arise. The community that loves one another is able to forgive one another. It is an intriguing statement. It often gets quoted, this part about a love covers over a multitude of sins. You've probably heard it lots. Um, Maybe you've never heard it. But think about it. If we choose to love each other deeply, then you will forgive me and I will forgive you. And the blood of Christ covers over our sins. That's what we're called to. Thirdly, offer hospitality and do it without grumbling. (laughs) What was their context? Uh, It could be that because they were scattered and spread out, people were coming through town, open your home, but do it without grumbling. Could be that kind of idea. But they also gathered the early church in smaller groups within a home. And it could be that they needed to host homes for offering this hospitality for the worship service to happen in their homes. Do it without grumbling. There's a couple of different contexts there, but let me ask you this. Do you offer hospitality? You know, when someone comes into your home, it's a very intimate and personal experience, isn't it? 
You invite them into your inner world. Anne and I got invited out this summer to someone's place and you're right there on their back patio and you're invited into their inner world. Um, Offer hospitality without grumbling because what? Because it encourages and builds up in the body of Christ and meets needs of people. Lastly, he says, serve one another with the various gifts that God has given us. Um, We're not all gifted the same. So find out what you're gifted with and use that gift to build up the body of Christ. This week I came in and one of our senior women was in the, uh, she's going to get mad at me for calling her that because she's very strong and very energetic, but she was moving shelves in the library. And I, I said, whoa, whoa, can I help you? And she goes, yeah, yeah. So we moved one shelf from one side to the other and I asked her, what are you doing? She goes, well, we're creating a space for the kids where these shelves in this corner over here, it's going to be the kids' corner. We need the lower shelves so they can reach the books and we move the big ones over here. She's using her gift to love kids to Christ, to provide something for children that don't even know that someone took the time to do that, just using her gifts to serve the body of Christ in the way in which God had called her. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. That's what we're aiming at. So in summary, we need to pray for each other. In summary, we need to love each other and forgive one another. We need to encourage each other through hospitality. We need to build each other up by using our gifts. Because when we use our gifts, we glorify God and we build up the body of Christ. And lastly, we need to speak God's truth into each other's lives. That happens when we're in community. If we're not in community, it's not going to happen. We need each other. Every person's situation, as I've said, is different. At Sardis Fellowship, we're trying to make this a focus this fall in the life of our church that people could find a life group or a mentoring group or a Bible study group or a prayer group of some type or a coffee group because whatever level that you can take a step forward and say, yep, that's what I can do, it's going to move you that much deeper into your relationship with the Lord and with each other. Pastor Tim has, uh, in his new role, um, for those who have been a part of our church family, you know that Rob Schaff and his wife moved to Saskatchewan last uh, May or June. They had been on our staff for a number of years. Uh, Tim is now our community life pastor focusing on this area of life groups. Now, it's kind of a general term. They're going to look different, these life groups, but just trying to help people find their place of community and connection. If you were to go to our website, sardisfellowship.com, and then you know you have your main categories across the top. One of them says ministries. You click on it, and you go down. One of them says groups, and you click on that you would read this. And these are Pastor Tim's words as he's trying to shape the need of more of this in the life of our church because we have some of it already, but we need more. We believe, this is Pastor Tim writing, that people were created to belong, to belong to God and to have a sense of belonging with one another. We believe that real, honest, deep community is the answer to our desire to belong. Jesus designed the church to be a people that centers around him and cares for one another. That's the purpose of life groups. They are groups where people intentionally meet with one another to build that kind of community so that they can know others, be known, grow as disciples, share their lives, learn about God, and be encouraged in following Him. When we live in that kind of community, life to life, trust is grown and we experience true belonging. Ultimately, they are one of our primary vehicles for discipleship in our church. What is a life group? Quite simply, a life group is a group of people who are intentionally building community together. Real community is built when people center themselves around Jesus, care for one another, and enjoy life together. 
Community, content, care, recreation. That's how he's kind of defining community. Content, care, recreation. Then he says, are life groups for me? This might be a question you're asking. The answer, yes. We encourage every adult to be a part of a life group, whether you've got kids, you're single, married, young, old. I think he means younger, older. We never say young, old, right? Male, female, life groups are designed for you. So if you'd like to join one or have questions about life groups, please reach out to us and we'd love to help you find community. And you might say, okay, great, how do I do that? On our website, this is just all on our website. I'm just taking the website and I'm stepping you through. It says, reach out to us about life group here. Gives you three boxes that you could check. You could check the box that says, I'd like to join one. Check that box, you submit it, Tim will reach out to you. You might check the box that said hosting, leading a group, because this doesn't work if we don't have people to host or people who lead or people who host and lead. You might say, I got a home, but I don't want to lead. Fine, we'll take your home. You might say, I want to lead, but I don't have a home. Great, we got a home, we got a leader, we'll put you together. We'll make this happen. Some people do both. And then just what is a life group? Well, um, you have a comment section there, you can write in a comment. I would say for anyone who's uh, watching online today and you might be wondering, how does community happen for me as an online person and not an in-person person yet? For sure, that is a harder situation, but it's not impossible. We do have options. And so I would say if you are an online person, please click that button, reach out to Pastor Tim, and we will get you set up with some level of connection. As I said, this plan only works if we have two things. People who sign up to say, yeah, I believe you, Rod. I want to grow, and I need to be in deeper community. Click the button, I want to join a a group. And it only happens if we have others who click a button that say, yeah, I get it. Not everyone's home is going to work. Not everyone has parking, right? It doesn't have to be in a home. It doesn't have to be necessarily at your place. It could be a spot in this church where a group meets in one of our rooms. There's lots of evenings where we have rooms that are open. Uh, It could be in an office space. Some people have access to an office. But whatever the situation, we need people to say, yes, I will host, and yes, I will lead or facilitate. We really help out with the material and the content. And it's really not about the content or the material as much as it is about bringing people together and starting to understand how the body of Christ ministers to one another. So here's what I'm inviting you to do. Go to the website, click on ministries, click on groups, click either join a group or host a group or lead a group, or I have a question about one, and we want to help you. I know this is really practical in nature today, but I believe it's also very profound. We need one another. Paul's words in Ephesians, in closing, I will read this passage. It's inspiring, and I want you to feel inspired by this. He says, as a prisoner for the Lord then, he's a prisoner, and we are in the sense that we're, you know, we're slaves to Christ, right? As a prisoner for the Lord, Paul says then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Folks, I want us to hear these words because it takes all of us. This is not one or two people. This is every person saying, yeah, when I said yes to Jesus, I signed up for that. Humble, gentle, patient, bearing with each other in love working to keep the unity that is provided for us through Jesus Christ by his Holy Spirit. There is one body, one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. We are the church and we belong to God. We belong to God, but we belong to each other. So I'm giving you this challenge. 
And I trust that you will take the step that works for you this fall in getting into deeper community. I'd like to lead us in prayer. Father, as we bow in your presence today, all of us here, we've gathered in the name of Jesus because he is our Savior and he is our Lord. And knowing that means that we want to be committed to your plan for our lives. And that means that I want to help others. So help us to be able to find where that could happen. Help each person here to know that there is a place for them where they could be in deeper community. We want to both know and be known, Lord. And I pray that this fall would be a fall of of great growth in our lives as we are shaped into the image of Christ and grow to maturity in Christ. Continue to shape us. Keep our hearts soft before you. May we lead with love and help those around us to find your path, Lord. In Jesus' name I ask, amen. Uh, This is our closing of our worship service for today. I'm super glad that you've chosen to be with us and join us again next Sunday. But again, go onto our website and join a group. Um, For those who are new to Sardis Fellowship and you know Pastor Tim was inviting you, it's going to happen right up front here. Might be a bit noisy with people meeting. I love the way the group in that back corner and another one over here, you're meeting after the service and you're, you know, fellowshipping. That's awesome. I don't want to discourage that. But if you're new to Sardis Fellowship and you want to meet our staff, we're going to gather right up front, right here, okay? So take a few minutes, get your kids if you have kids, and then come back and join us here. God bless you and go with the peace of Christ. Amen. Thanks for listening to our Sardis Fellowship Sermon Podcast. If you'd like to learn more about our church, please check out sardisfellowship.com. Have a great day and God bless.